It is The Brink coming to you once again for another episode of your 87th favourite podcast. And yes, we've been away for a few weeks, but sue us, we have lives, uh, both of us do, because right now I can say that joining me from the very beginning is Joshua Shoebridge! Hey! Whoop, 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 whoop. How are you, Joshy boy? It's my music, bro. Uh, well, there's other, do, you, do you want me to do Jesus Christ picky much? No, uh, fuck you and your song, because when do I get my song? I never get a song. I sit here in the host chair. You should be playing a song for me. Well, you've got the button. Make a song for you. <laughs> I'm not that up myself. Uh, how are you, Josh? Uh, <laughs> I'm good, mate. How are well, you? I'm going to put, I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. <laughs> too sexy, it hurts. Bring back right said Fred. It's time. Um, <laughs> it's... <laughs> Come on, we're all sitting here, everyone's waiting for Jesus to show up I'm waiting for right said Fred to show up Where is he? Uh, no idea <laughs> Like seriously, where is right said Fred? And Is he still right? Is he still saying stuff? Is he called Fred still? I have many questions Should we get him on the show? Let's get right said Fred on the show To be like, g'day Fred, how are you? Are you still right? So, so are we going to try and get him on the on the show Or are we going to try and get on the show. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to do. Uh, they're actually a pop band found by Fred and Richard Fairbrass. Um, That's a name and a half. Well, and they're, they're bold and sexy still. They've got a website. Good for them. They're with modern times. <laughs> so you remember when uh, we signed a few people up to the Nikki Webster fan club? I'm still a member. Proud, proud as punch, right? I tried to sign a friend up the other day. I couldn't find the web form. Oh, gee. I'm looking here at rightsaidfred.com. There is contact. There is autographs. You can follow them on Instagram. There's uh, friends of the Freds. It's, it's all happening here, Josh. Like they've got, there's a shop. They could buy a right Wow. Said- there's literally an email address I can email them. They don't even have an email at rightsheadfred.com. It's at gmail.com. Um, that, you know what that tells me? Potentially on the show. We're getting them on the show. <laughs> 9,241 followers. I think I've got more than Right Said Fred. Um, How many? 9,241 followers. That's um, that's that's interesting. Wow. I, I we're, we're getting them on the show. <laughs> Oh, there's an autobiography. <laughs> Still too sexy. Surviving right said Fred. Oh, uh, we could buy their book. Jesus. I'm uh, looking at it. Oh, that that teal uh, track pants. Yeah. I actually don't mind the T-shirts. There's a giant T-shirt with the big red text that says right said Fred. Only £17.50. That's a bargain. Oh, let's let's. Uh- Oh, we, we have to make this happen. We have to make this happen. I also I'm gonna laugh at the fact here that their best of is called the singles. Shouldn't it just be called the single? There's two freaking uh, vinyls there too. Wow. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that took a turn, didn't it? <laughs> it's, it's always time to bring right said Fred back. That's all I'm saying. Um, how are you? Right. How how's I'm, life? I, I'm good. I'm I'm wanting to speak to them now. <laughs> right now, get them on the line. Um, <laughs> I, I got to ask you um, question without notice, but uh, it's something. Oh, here that we I'm, go. That I'm sure you're going to be topical about. Mandalorian just finished a week ago. Uh-huh. Did you watch it? Yep. 
I did. Of course, of course I watched it. I don't know. I like you've got kids and family. I'm single and alone. Like I mean, some of us are busy. You're okay. Well, you, priorities are Star Wars, <laughs> Star Wars, <laughs> kids. And if there need be, wife. But yes. Yes. Well, anyway, Mandalorian, uh, thoughts, season three. Um, Look, I'm one of those, it's Star Wars, I enjoyed it kind of guy. I can pick it to pieces after the fact, and I have done. There are a few things that I'm like, yeah, that doesn't look right. But again, it was Star Wars flashing lights, and I laughed and clapped my hands and said, yep, you take my money, Disney. <laughs> Which the mouse in the house loves it. Um, yeah. It's... Like, I, yeah, I, I can be critical of it. If you do, do you want me to be critical, Josh? I, I don't think I've ever heard you criticize Star Wars in my life. You like the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker. You're that idiot. So I mean, uh, <laughs> by all means, be critical because I don't think I've oh, ever no, heard you be I, critical. <laughs> no, no. Because okay, so I am a a child of the expanded universe. I thoroughly enjoy the original. Um, sequel trilogy which is the throne trilogy the legend and they call it the legacy or legends or something now they call it legends now but it's expanded universe it's eu that's what we call it that's what real fans call it anyway so the fact that i was noticing halfway through season three little things that are alluding to stories from that era i was getting a bit excited uh the relationship between uh bo-katan schwing and hello katie sackoff Hell yes. You can get uh, my sack off. <laughs> Sorry, I said it out loud. Sorry. <laughs> I, just, I blacked out there for a moment. Um, let, let, let's oh, shit, wait, wait, that- is, this, is this thing on? <laughs> So, so I, I am currently in the process of making a a, uh, a Dinjarin a Dinjarin <laughs> suit, and I'm, once I saw more of uh, Bo-Katan, I'm like, all right, wifey, you're going to get in the cosplay. I don't care if you've never seen a Star Wars movie, but you're wearing this. <laughs> Wear this now. Come to bed. <laughs> Do you ever see that episode of um, The Big Bang Theory where Howard has those visions and he's got Katie Sackhoff in the bath? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, uh, apologies that, to Katie Sackhoff if she's listening. I don't think we're ever getting no, no right said Fred meets Katie Sackhoff interview coming to the brink anytime soon. Oh, come on. We're the Graham Norton of Australia. We should be able to pull that off. <laughs> Hello. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yes. Continue. Boca Yeah. So there was a, uh, it was a, what I saw to be a link between Mara Jade and, and Luke Skywalker and the, the, the dynamic they had there, but they went with that. Um, I, I'm hoping to see more Luke Skywalker moving into the Ahsoka series. So I think what we'll end up seeing is a link, which will then answer, hopefully, hopefully answer a lot of questions and fix some utter rubbish that happened in the last couple of episodes. I, I've got it like, oh, yeah, he, he needs a tissue. I think I, 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 the Luke Skywalker reveal at the end of season two was amazing. Don't get me wrong. That was one of the best. I cried. Oh, like I just shat myself. But I think the problem I have with it now in hindsight is they kind of just, I mean, Boba Fett was Boba Fett, right? Like it was, sure, it existed. And they kind of were just like, oh, yeah, sure, here he is. But I just, I don't know. I feel like, can we wait a couple of years so the technology is a bit better? (laughs) Like, I mean, it's sort of like, it hasn't aged very well if you go back and watch it. It's like Carrie Fisher in freaking Rogue One. Like it just, it was hot and amazing at the time. But now you're just going to like, eh, it looks a bit silly. You've got to remember, though, Star Wars is actually known for, along the road, fixing things. True. like that. So I reckon we will see a fix-up of that. I know that there was a guy on Facebook, not Facebook, on YouTube, who 
did his own deep fake of that, like using uh, and fixed that scene. And now he's now working for Industrial Light and Magic, mate. Well, one of my favorite ones on YouTube is I, I love that person who edited the Obi-Wan Darth Vader fight from A New Hope and made it kind of up to the standards of like Revenge of the Sith. Like I thought that was kind of cool. But um, yeah, my, my, my one is the edited for the Rise of Skywalker. Oh, with the, the Force, Force Ghosts. Ghosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, far out. That's that missed opportunity. I missed opportunity. The, the one thing that I, I want to see, and it's a weird thing. And I don't know if they, I mean, it feels like they're kind of doing this in The Mandalorian because we should have mentioned spoiler, but whatever. There wasn't really that many spoilers, to be honest, in season no, three. It, 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 I'll say now the spoiler uh, ban has been lifted on all of the yeah, Facebook and Reddit. So, like, yeah. Move along. Y- um, y- yep. Move along. Move along. I, I like there's sort of the, the brief mention of kind of like, you know, let's clone and kind of stuff that and, and freaking Palpatine, which yeah. is Xander so, Berkeley. So, no, Can I just point that out? So just to uh, add a little bit of lore to that, cloning a a, a force-sensitive indi- individual, according to law, is really, really difficult. You, you actually can't do it without them going crazy. So but Disney a, doesn't give a shit. No, do they? no, but <laughs> the, no, but in the Thrawn trilogy, you had a uh, a. Dark Jedi called Jorah Sabaoth, who was cloned off a Jedi Master who was on the Council, and he died in a in a. He was actually killed by Thrawn earlier on in a thing called the uh, Outbound Flight, and then at the there's another clone, Luke Skywalker. So uh, that's one of the things that the clone Jedi's have is the fact that they add a syllable. To their name, right? So you didn't just have like a stutter or a stroke. No, no, there. no. It's, it's actually Luke. <laughs> Luke. It's, it's Luke. Oh, it's Luke Friends with Han Solo. <laughs> so, like, if for anyone who has never read him, so it's the heir to the Empire, which they mentioned in the thing, the heir to the Empire. Oh no, that was in the trailer for Ahsoka. Um, the uh, Dark Force Rising and the Last Command. Those are three books I recommend any Star well, Wars fan it's, to read. It's funny. Uh, I was getting about a point in a second, but like I, I nearly threw all the Ian Fleming Bond books, and then it's sort of on my list to kind of sporadically go through, I guess, the Disney canon Star Wars books versus the 58,000 James Bond books that existed from Ian Fleming and kind of mm. go through those. What I was going to say is, is I'm not – a sequel fan. I, I I think they completely shit the bed. But what I really would like from Disney. They ruined Luke Skywalker. They've ruined more than just Luke Skywalker. They've ruined Star Wars pretty much. But like what I would like to see, and I'm so surprised I haven't done this because Disney seems so focused on, oh, people like the old Star Wars. So let's just do everything to connect them. They've created their entire new universe now. Mm-hmm. And there's a 30-year fucking gap between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Where are more stories to... Like, like I know we're getting that in The Mandalorian. I know there's a Ray movie coming. I know there's kind of these things that are happening. Ray, so Ray happens after The Rise of Skywalker. Well, that, that makes Mandal- me shitty. But, like, it's just, I want, so I want this it, 30-year gap bridge where I learn more about The First Order, the, the new... Like, this yeah, is why so I'm so that's, surprised that's I haven't what done. So- yeah, Ahsoka's going to be doing that. That's going to be one of the biggest things in in Ahsoka is bridging the gap of finding Thrawn because Thrawn does become the essentially the supreme leader of the Imperial Remnant, which then becomes the the First Order. Which I'm glad with that because because the thing that like amazes me with Disney is that 
they go so far on trying to add stuff to the old canon, which we don't need. We do not need to know how Han Solo gets his dice. We don't need to know that he was called this because of this and all that kind of crap. They need to be able to retcon their own fucking continuity so that we can see Palpatine fucking someone that Ray becomes born and like things like that. Like that's my biggest thing with Disney. It's like, guys, you've created this. You're defending it, Kathleen fucking Kennedy. So fucking make it better than going like, oh, look at this. Chewbacca was in a cage and that's how we met Han Solo. Like some things you don't need to be explained. Some things you just live with and that's okay. Yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> – have you heard of a, a YouTuber called The Critical Drinker? I have heard of a YouTuber called The Critical Drinker, and I quite like him, and I like his Scottish accent. So do I, and he makes it very, very clear. It is Kathleen anyway, Kennedy go pushing, now. <laughs> pushing the message. Yeah, which can and, I just and, point out just randomly, an executive producer on Jurassic Park makes me sad. Sorry, continue. And, and Indiana Jones. Yeah, she used to be smart, apparently. No, she was just... I'm not going to say anything further because I'll get sued probably. R slash slept with the boss. Um, Who hasn't? Um, me. Because, yeah, nah. Nah. You slept with no. me. So I'm your boss. <laughs> uh, but no, they're, like, they're, there's a lot of exciting things. I don't know. You, you, did you follow much of what came out of Star Wars? Celebration? Uh, the main bits. Yeah. yeah so, I watched the Hayden like, Christian. That gave me a bit teary when oh, he got on stage. What a man. Oh, he, Him and... Um, Ewan McGregor. That made me. Oh, oh, Ewan. I'd give him a lift. Oh, so would I. Uh, his wife is playing a an essential character in the Ahsoka series. Oh, she's playing Hera, so the Green Twilight Lady. There's um, cosplay for Ewan at home. Oh yeah, you be Hera, I'll be Obi Wan. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hello there. Which which they <laughs> existed at the same time in canon, by the way. <laughs> In fact, uh, Obi-Wan did appear in Star Wars Rebels, and that was where he had his final confrontation with Darth Maul. I have which is seen one of, that clip. That is one of my favourite clips. Uh, the guy who did the voice for Maul, fantastic job, especially... Was it Ray Park? No, it wasn't Ray Park. It was... Oh, I've forgotten the actor's name. Absolutely, he's this incredible voice actor. Uh, he, he was doing the whole, like, how he did the... Maul going crazy in the desert is like, uh, and he does this. So uh, I can see him in my mind's eye. Kenobi, Kenobi, and it's like really loud. And the way he does it when you're watching him act it, like he can't do it sitting down. He's standing up and his whole body's going into it. And he puts so much performance into it. He's almost, almost like Superman for for Star Wars, but. I get I Josh way to too excited by talking about Star Wars, and we literally uh, are not. I, I would, I would, I would today, love to but... see Henry Cavill. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see Henry Cavill come on to do I a Star would, Wars. Movie. I would love to come on Henry Cavill. Let's be honest, that man's a beast. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, 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 I'm excited. Equal opportunity he, he, perv on the show today. I'm doing it with both genders. I'm fine. I, I just love the fact that he's been given this green light. Warhammer 40k, Amazon Prime, maketh. Series. I just can't wait for them to finally wake up and be like, hello, Mr. Bond, Henry Cavill. Uh, you know, just, I just, want it. I want it. I want it. I want it badly. That, I, make, that, that makes my giny tingly. <laughs> makes my giny and peeny and other parts. Do, do you think, no, but that's the thing. That's the thing. So Bond is meant to be like, yes, handsome. Like, right. I don't see, like, 
Henry Cavill as Bond, I will worship. However, I don't see him as a physical match for Bond, mainly because of his build. That's the only reason. What, what do you mean, like to? Well, he's six foot four and built like bloody Heath Ledger. But but like, this is Not my Heath Ledger. <laughs> you you Jackman. Rest in peace, Heath I Ledger. Um, I know. What, now, oh. fifteen years later, he's probably dust. Um, I. <laughs> Rotten in a fucking coffin no, I somewhere. I meant to say Hugh Jackman. Like you know, you know what I'm talking about. He's but, got like broad shoulders. He's but, not like. But I, 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 the thing, like, I agree with you if you had said that to me 20 years ago, Josh. But I think the thing that Daniel Craig has changed, and that's my problem with Daniel Craig, though. Like Daniel Craig, like defined Bond as a he's a hunk of meat. He's a he's a he's a person that you just want to rip his clothes off and grate cheese on his chest because he's hot. Like Bond is more than just a physically attractive man. Part of his charm and allure and physical attractiveness is that he's charming and that he can like charm the pants. Like Sean Connery was hot, but where Sean Connery got it was Sean Connery. But like, hello, I'm Sean Connery. And your panties would fly off and you'd be moister yeah, than and, a freaking yeah, sponge I, on heat. Like I mean, I agree with you there. As I say, the, his personality, everything, face upwards, perfect Bond. But I again I do see the 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 need to have a more masculine uh bond. Yeah. I, no, I no, do no, see it's, that. It's, yeah. it's 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 a it's a, a definitely a conversation that you know we're we wide variety that's apparently the way I speak English now of uh conversations. So, when have, are they even close to announcing a new no, bond? Like what, no. on April fooled me on April Fool's Day. I saw James Bond down under doing it. But no, they, we will not I I Firmly do not think we. The earliest we will get a bond announcement will be end of next year. Because uh, Bar- really, well, it's been a while since. But um, Barbara no Michael are not even bothering with. And like this is, I think, the new age we live in with Bond. Sadly, I think it just it comes from a point now where we're going to be standard having five year breaks between films. You know, like I think it's just it's just how it is. And I think well, that what was the yeah. gap between uh, was it not Living Daylights? Living Dallas and Go- uh, License Kill and Goldeneye, six years. Uh, yeah. So, so the gap between License Kill and Goldeneye just beat the gap between Spectre and No Time to Die. But you've got to remember that technically No Time to Die should have been released in 2019. Yeah, um, thank you, so. Virus of Unknown well, Origin. But it, but it wasn't even – they delayed it before COVID. So, like, that was on them. It just the, the luck that played a terrible hand to them. Yeah, but that would have delayed it even further. Well, it did, but the point is I'm trying to say is it was always scheduled for 2019. They were like, oh, yeah, maybe it's not quite ready. We need to do a few more things. So we're going to delay it till I think it was May 2020 before Mm. COVID was even a thing and then fucking COVID came and they had to delay it all those extra times. Uh, So the question I have for you though. Yes, Josh, please. Going back to Star Wars, would you play a Star Wars tabletop game with me? I, I would play anything Star Wars with you, Josh, but I wouldn't have a fucking clue what I'm doing. Do I get That's to be what... Natalie Portman? Like, can I can I be Padme? You, actually, Padme is a character you can play in, yeah, the, in. in the Republic uh, lists. Uh, but yes, and it's actually one of the most so versatile lists out there is uh, Yoda and Padme. Can I can I ask a question, though? Like, the, I, my most recent experience with a table form of gaming, um, mm. I think it took about eight hours to remotely explain how the fuck I played it and I still to this day did not understand a word of it. What game was it? I don't fucking clue. It was that's a story for another off air time. But like it was just so complicated. 
I mean, I, I get com I get freaking confused on what's the sheep in the little fancy game? Settlers Squatters. Of, no, Settlers of Catan. Is that what that's called? Yeah, yeah well, that's another one. Yeah, Settlers of like Catan. That, I got that eventually after six weeks of trying to learn it when I was living in Queensland. But I mean- no. um, <laughs> so I'm able to teach uh, new players to play the game in about 15 minutes. But I'm dumb. I can teach kids. I'm dumber end- than a child. I'm stupid, Josh. I have, I am, I, I am borderline disabled in my brain. Like I am stupid. I like die another day. You will hear that in this episode. (laughs) I have, I have got issues in my brain. You still find Madonna attractive. She is fucking hot. All right. Shut your mouth. (laughs) If Madonna walked into your house right now naked, you wouldn't say no. I'll probably go get the F out. Gollum's here. <laughs> you would not say no because you know that if you put your peenie in a giny, you'd be then texting me going, guess who I just put my peenie in, Ben? You'll never understand. And I'd probably go and I'd probably caught chlamydia and gonorrhea at the same but time. But what a person to catch it from. Like, seriously. But the serious, no, no, the serious thing is it's not really an achievement because I don't feel like it. It's not anything you would earn. It's just thrust upon you. But what is the issue with that? The woman's an icon. I would have fucked the queen when she was alive. That would have been a great story. And I don't even find her attractive. I find Madonna, the actual current living queen, attractive. Could could you imagine the BBC news story? The the queen today was humiliated by a Tasmanian boy. Why do you say humiliated? I'm not going to do it without a consent. She's going to be laying on the bed going, hello, Ben, take me. And then it would be like breaking news. Oh, Lizzie's moved on. With a Tasmanian guy, and then I would inherit all her wealth. I'd be like the Anna Nicole Smith of the monarchy. Princess Mary, eat your heart out. Yeah, fuck you, Mary. <laughs> you fucking go and get old Frederick at the Olympics. I get the grandmother of them all. I've touched her son. With consent. I shook he, his hand. Did he smell of mothballs? He smelled of... Old rice pudding. I don't know. The point is, leave Madonna alone. (laughs) We're going to another segment, and we're going to come back with Josh singing and wrapping things up. It's been a while since we've had this man on, which means we all need to stand for this. Oh, he's actually standing. Wow. He's a very rigid man. Uh, It's... Justin, I mean, Colin Hilding, uh, <laughs> thought we finally got the Prime Minister on. Uh, Colin, welcome back to The Brink, and thank you for respecting your nation. Thank you. I, I have great respect for my nation and many others, uh, Botswana included. I was going to uh, say, is there one that you don't respect besides France? <laughs> uh, well, I, I have to have respect for France because they are the overlords of Quebec, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's Quebec. I mean... It's Quebec, know. yeah. We have respect for France, just not Quebec. Yeah, um, I might have it the other way around, but uh, I also <laughs> do want to get led into France next year, so that's another story. Um, lots happened since we talked. You are a bit of a local celebrity now in Winnipeg, <laughs> I believe, because you got to go on the ice and drop a puck in front of some moose. Um, I, I did, yes. Expl- explain that to our listener. I'm sure they're intrigued <laughs> what that means. I'm sure anybody outside of Canada is actually visualizing our moose do play hockey here. Uh, <laughs> That's the most Canadian thing anybody can picture, a moose playing hockey. Yep. They go for the Antler Cup every year around this time. <laughs> the Antler Cup. What a what a trophy. No, but um, 
like we have an NHL team here, the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, we also have two minor league hockey teams. Uh, I think we're one of the only cities that can maintain that many hockey teams and still get attendance. But our main farm team for the Jets, the Manitoba Moose, uh, they they do um, uh, a game every single year. It's an autism acceptance game, and all three of our sons are on the autism spectrum. And uh, the uh, I guess organization that uh, pairs up with the, the the team, the Moose, every year for this game, uh, Saint Amant, they uh, they actually select somebody every year to kind of do the puck drop. And our uh, oldest son, Casper, he was in their early learning program for like two years. And um, uh, last year, I, I do a fundraiser every single year. And last year for the fundraiser, Casper decided to join me and run 5K, uh, which I think he was by far the youngest child to complete He 5K. runs 5K a day, though, when he escapes, right? So that's just normal he, for him. Easily, yeah. yeah. And he can, he can legitimately run a kilometer in six minutes, which most people can't Britney do. Britney Spears. He's he's almost at Britney Spears level, but uh, be, I guess because of the fundraising we've done, because Casper got involved last year, uh, I got an email a couple of months ago, and it looked like the generic emails you get from the Saint Amont people, and it said, "Would you and your family like to help us?" So I'm like, "Okay, let me see what this is. It's probably something you know, uh, looking for donations." And then it starts mentioning specific things like, "Oh, when you and your son did the run last year, and all the other years you've done this." And then it's like, would you be interested in the Manitoba Moose game to come up? I'm like, cool, they're giving me free tickets. <laughs> and it's like doing the puck drop. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we got to do the puck drop. I mean, it was mostly Casper who's in the puck drop, but uh, our other two sons are in the waiting list for the same thing. And uh, we got to go out on the ice and drop a puck and do the whole ceremony and stand in front of thousands of people. It was, it was quite the experience. I think for people, I mean, we've, we've talked about this in the past when we, we covered the hockey in Tasmania, the ice hockey, of course, it's a, a ice hockey tradition that you sort of have a, a ceremonial puck. Drop. It's kind of like the first pitch in baseball, right? Like you generally mm-hmm. have a, a notable person walks out in the ice. Drop the ball. I got to do it uh, in a Tasmanian grand final once. Cause it was my last game commentating. So like Ben, sure. We can't get the mayor. You'll do. Um, so I got to do that, but this is a bigger deal. This is in front of like eight people at the Glenorchy ice rink. This is at the, yeah. the, whatever the arena is there. Canada the, Life Center. Canada Life Center, the the Moose who, I mean, these, these are basically, these are NHL players who are just not playing. Like they're like the fourth line of players to get into the mm. Jets essentially, aren't they? So these guys are NHL players essentially, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and within a year, two years or whatever, I mean, half of these guys are going to be on the the NHL roster anyways. So uh, the, I think the the cool thing, I'll just kind of run through the events and everything. We, we got there and uh, they basically had like a Manitoba Moose liaison who led us all through. Was the, it a moose? The, it, <laughs> she wasn't a moose. <laughs> Did you check? <laughs> I don't think she would have let us, but um, I'm sure one of our kids got close. Uh, they were very, uh, very friendly with her. But uh, they they led us through the whole uh, backstage area, which uh, was a whole whole long lineup of hallways. And uh, we passed by the mascot there, which is the same mascot the moose have, which his name is Mickey Moose. E- even though it's the Jets, our mascot is a moose still. Uh, I but, think I uh, saw, did we not see the moose when we were at that open day thing in Winnipeg? Wasn't there some uh, moose? No, that was, uh, yeah, that was for the Bombers. That was Buzz and Boomer. They're... Birds I swear there was a like moose that. at, a, at a, the hockey one we went to. That's too many fucking. Oh, he, he might have been. Maybe there was cross promotion or something. But uh, no, yeah, that was at the they, Winnipeg Jets thing we went to. Not the not oh, the that's bombers right, yeah. thing. We went to the Jets we thing. To remember? Two yeah, come on. Yeah, the, remember the Jets, that was a memorable uh, weekend, oh, Colin. 
there you go. My, my kids finally met somebody that you met. <laughs> they should have asked, hey, how was Uncle Ben? Was he nice to you? <laughs> Did he no. punch you in the stomach or whatever? Yes. But then we basically go to the, uh, the right behind the players' benches, which I sort of visualized all these years. I'm like, there's going to be like a long corridor and everything. And the players actually come out on the ice through a different entrance. But like, this is where they'll leave, you know, in between periods and everything. This is where the coaches come out. It's literally right behind the benches. And it is like the most narrow hallway ever. And I mean, there's five of us there, two people from St. Amand, two Moose liaisons, one other family that were like the the the, the second puck droppers or whatever. And there was no room to move whatsoever. And they're, they're telling us the, these big doors there, which we got a picture in front of like with the Jets logo on it. And they said, oh, this is where the coaches might be coming out. So you just want to stand clear of the doors and everything. And when the coaches come out, we're all like pressed up against the wall. I'm like, I'm shocked an arena this size that seats 15,000 people doesn't have walking room. Uh, but then after the national anthem plays and everything, we come on the ice and it was, it was different than I expected. The, the first thing that they told us, they give you all these instructions. The first bit of instructions was, okay, so you were going to have a video playing up there on the, the video screen. It's going to have slideshow pictures of you. They're going to be introducing you. The announcer's going to be talking, whatever you do, don't look up at the screen. The video will all be released online later. Don't look up at the screen. And then they said, the reason why is the cameras are going to be right in your face. Yeah. And uh, people make the mistake where they look up and all you're seeing is their nostrils. So resist the temptation to look up at the screen, which I thought was hilarious. Which, I mean, that's that's good advice. Which, have you got the video? And these are broadcast, right? The sort of the these games are, are broadcast on, on television in Canada, aren't they? Yeah, I, I haven't found if what channel they were on. I know that they are on TV, but uh, there is like the... AHL package where you could get it and uh, I do have to script I have to go through the game still everything afterwards and find this video but uh, but yeah like you got camp not just the people in the arena there's who knows how many people who are going to be watching this who are going to be looking straight up your nostrils the 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 most interesting thing is as we're walking out on the ice you know you go from where the play in between the players benches and then you know across the ice and then right to center ice and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be hearing the cues from the announcer, like as they're introducing us, they say, and now for the puck drop. But the second you get on the ice, you're underneath all the speakers. It just sounds like the most muffled. And I'm trying to listen. I'm like, is it still us? Are they still talking about us? Should he be waving? What are we doing? I, I, I do love the fact that, you know, when you're in those situations and you think it's going to go one way, it doesn't go the other way. And I mean, do you know the attendance at night? Like, And you obviously get to stay and watch the game, I'm imagining, afterwards yeah. as well. Yeah, which that was a different experience. But uh, yeah, I mean, the um, the attendance, I, I would estimate it, like I haven't looked it up, but it was probably anywhere from a third to half full. So we're probably looking at, you know, 4,000, 5,000 people that were still there. I'm seeing here the coach of the Manitoba Moose, Mark Morrison, uh, played in the NHL, uh, played a bit for the, uh, the Rangers uh, there, played one game to be precise for the New York Rangers. Um, actually, 10 games, I will correct myself. But uh, formerly played for the Victoria Cougars in Ooh. the WHL. Um, they're, not, uh, they're now in the, uh, v, the, the, the league that I basically worked for. Uh, they've now been defunct down to that one. But uh, he's from Delta in BC. Uh, so there you go. Interesting. Uh, do you, you get to keep the puck? Like, do you get to sort of get a jersey? Yeah. Do you get like a, a moose costume? Like, I mean, what do you get for it? <laughs> So I looked up past years, they actually, they do a jersey just for the one-off game that is the autism acceptance jersey. And in past years, some people had gotten those jerseys. 
probably because of the amount of kids we had. <laughs> they didn't have the jerseys for oh, us. ripped off. Which is unfortunate. Bloody oath. But- <laughs> Keep it in your pants, Jamie and Colin. You would have gotten a jersey. If we hadn't had twins, if it was only two kids, it would have been one thing. But you guys got a third, and we don't have that many jerseys to spare. But, but yeah, like once they do the puck drop, the kids, they drop the puck on the ice, and the players basically shuffle it around, and then they pick it up and hand it back to the kid. Um, now, Casper threw it on the, uh, the rink for a second time. <laughs> they hand it to him. Remy, one of our twins, continued to throw it about three or four times, and eventually he threw it so hard it went all the way across the ice. <laughs> so they're handing the pucks back to us. They shake our hands and everything, and then we go back. And uh, the, the first thing they ask is, okay, did everybody get their pucks back? And Jamie is like, uh, except for Remy, he kept throwing his on the ice. So they hand him another puck. And I had one of my nieces there uh, with us because we had an extra ticket. She was kind of waiting backstage and they gave her a puck as well. So we all got to keep like the actual official AHL moose game pucks. And at least Casper and Casey's are ones that the players have touched. And did you get to then meet the players? Like do you go in the locker room afterwards, get like, a, you know, get autographs and photos and that with the players at all? Yeah. Like they told us there's a meet and greet that we could do afterwards and where to go. It took us forever to find it. Uh, so once we get down downstairs and everything and we find the room, we see that there's other people from like the St. Amont program that were in the room. It's basically like a reception area and the players are there in their clothes, but like all sweaty still <laughs> didn't even bother to shower. And a couple of them are signing autographs. But as soon as we get in the room, they're like, oh, and this is the kid who did the puck drop. And they basically like almost like shove everybody out. <laughs> Here we got uh, uh, the kid who did the puck drop. Oh, yeah, I remember you, you did a good job. And kind of go through and sign some autographs and then they take like some official pictures with them and everything. Uh, right. So, I mean, it, it was cool experience. And again, you know, I, I look up and like, okay, these guys may be in the NHL one day. So make sure you keep these autographs kids. Do, do they, are they at their age, that age? Sorry. I mean, Casper maybe a bit more so where they, they even knew what was happening. Like, do you think this is something that will stick with them that they will remember? They're, I mean, I say the twins are old enough that if we ask them about this, I mean, they're turning four in a couple of weeks. So if we ask them about this 20 years from now, they'll be like, oh, I remember being on the ice, but it's not like they're even aware. I don't think they've ever watched a hockey game before. Casper's watched a hockey game, but we didn't want to tell him anything about it too soon. But in the days leading up to it, we showed him like last year's puck drop and everything. So he kind of knew this is what it's going to be. And he's been to a hockey game before. So uh, he, he, he had an awareness of it. And we um, only told a few people before we actually went to the game, but the next day at school, apparently some kid who's not even Casper's class from a different grade ran up to Casper's teacher, like all excited saying, I saw Casper at the hockey game and he dropped the puck. And it's like, really? Okay. Good <laughs> so, I mean, he's already, he's already being recognized as a local celebrity. And, and the most important thing, have you, extracted Jamie from the arena or is she still in the locker room trying to pick up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the amazing thing is that I asked her afterwards, I'm like, did you get to enjoy anything that was going on? She's like, no, because she basically had both twins. I mean, this was the fun part about the game. You know, you, you can never predict somebody who's autistic, how they're going to handle things. You know, if, when we got to our seats for the game, I was showing Jamie, these were our seats were, and it was like, whatever, I won't give away our row, but it was seats six through 10 and Casper refuses to sit down. And he's basically for almost the entire first period screaming and crying, saying he needs seat or chair 13. And so we're looking, we're like, somebody's sitting in that chair, Casper. Like, <laughs> this isn't our seat. And he's attached to a harness and everything because he you know, is an escape artist and all that. And he's tugging so hard on this harness that I actually can't get out of my chair. The harness is trapped underneath like the arm of the chair. 
So the whole first period was an ordeal. But afterwards, we're like, okay, we finally coaxed him where he'll maybe leave the arena so he doesn't disrupt the game. And then we get to the end, and he's pointing to the end of the row, which we were in row 13. But he thought that the last seat was seat 13 because I had told Jamie we're in 13. <laughs> so he needed that seat. Now, luckily, nobody was sitting in that seat, and we went there. But he decided he wanted seat number three. So now Jamie is stuck with both twins, and the only places that they'll sit are seats one and two. So she had a twin on her lap the whole time. And then wrangling all the kids during the meet and greet and everything. It's like, okay, so do you remember what happened there <laughs> for us? It was, this is why I record the game. I'm like, I want to be able to watch this and enjoy it afterwards. And meanwhile, Colin was in row 12 with headphones on. Right? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> trying to watch the game. Did, did, did trying the, to watch the game. Did the Moose win? <laughs> they didn't know that. And they were against Abbotsford, which oh, I, I almost airport lived. town bastard city of <laughs> Vancouver near it at least. And the funny thing is I, I stayed in Abbotsford. My uh, family, my uncle uh, had lived in Abbotsford and we stayed with them Brian for a couple Adams. months. And Brian Adams, yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, we had actually bought a house out in Abbotsford when I was eight years old. My mom was going to move us out there. And then literally the last minute she decided not to. And I don't know if she ever got out of the sale of house or had to put it up for sale again. But so you've got a house in Abbotsford you've never been to. It's we probably do, yeah. <laughs> These players are squatting in my house right now. It's been abandoned it's for the 30 ice years. Rink. You, you own the ice <laughs> yeah. rink out there. I, I just, at the time of recording this, obviously we're going to release this a few weeks after I've recorded this. So I'm pretty sure all the results will be known. But uh, as much as I always have a soft spot for Canadian NHL teams, uh, maybe except Edmonton, I... I'm very much cheering against the Winnipeg Jets right now, given that at I the time we're are. recording this, basically there's two points separating Winnipeg and Calgary in the wild card spot. Calgary today choked again to the worst team in the whole fucking competition. Uh, we could have drawn level with Winnipeg as we play you guys tomorrow, I believe. I mean, what? because you guys were doing all right. I know it's not your team. Obviously, you're a Toronto man, but you obviously have a bit of a soft spot for the Jets. But, yeah. I mean, the city, how are you guys? You were doing okay about half a season ago. Now, all of a sudden, you're... You, teetering on the brink <laughs> see what i did there yeah. of uh missing the playoffs yeah the uh a couple of years ago when we actually went all the way to the conference finals it was like there were so many expectations that like, oh we're gonna win the stanley cup next year and we've made the playoffs i think once since and i think we missed it once so i i feel like after the conference finals expectations are basically very low so uh, even at the halfway point in the season, I don't think anybody was expecting things were going to go our way. At this point, it's like, all right, we're probably not going to make it. When you're this close, I think the assumption is we're probably not going to make it. If we do, it'll be exciting. Uh, so nobody's really holding out hope that they're going to make the playoffs. There was a great graphic I saw, um, the uniqueness of Calgary season, that they hold all these records this season for like the worst luck, essentially. They've like lost the most ever one goal games in the history of the NHL. Like the like just these ridiculous. That's, I think they've set the record for most shots in a season without winning a certain amount of games, like just ridiculously bad luck records. And uh, also goes to show that we lose to the worst side in the competition. Apparently three times this season, we've not beaten Chicago at all. So does Winnipeg, and that's Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Does Winnipeg care about Calgary? Like in terms of like, is that, I mean, you don't really have a rival with Winnipeg. You're just there. You're like, Hey, Winnipeg, you exist. Yeah. Yeah, like I almost wish that we had some type of rival because if that makes Regina. hockey more exciting, if Regina ever gets a team, hello, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if Regina ever gets a team, that might be our rival. I mean, the closest thing I think we had was during the early seasons, Carolina, uh, because we were in the same division. Every time we played Carolina, it was always close. Uh, so other than that, there's no rival. Minnesota? But, yeah, well, I think Minnesota always by default, because when we lost the Jets in the mid-90s, 
who do you root for when Minnesota got a team? That was the excitement is that we can actually drive down to Minnesota and go for them. So that's always that in Arizona, because they are the jets are almost like the adopted teams of the jets. But if uh, Winnipeg doesn't make it, I mean, it's basically we'll root for any Canadian team. So as close as it is, as much as that, if, if, if well, I would say except for Vancouver, <laughs> I'd rather Vancouver, Vancouver than Edmonton. Old, I'm sorry. <laughs> the the old school rival. I mean, that going back to the '90s, that was the rivalry. That the way that Toronto and Boston are in the playoffs, that was Winnipeg and Vancouver. Winnipeg always got to face Vancouver in the first round, and they always lost to Vancouver in the first round. So there's probably still some people that that hold a grudge against Vancouver, but otherwise. Go for any Canadian team you can. The the time of recording this, as I see Remy or Casey just sneakily in the background there. Um, <laughs> the the uh, hopefully they've announced this by the time we release this. But uh, this big rumor about NHL coming to Australia later this year, uh, whether it'll be a pre- oh, like an exhibition. Well, there's there's different reports that it's going to be a proper in season game, like sort of how they do the international series, what like in Sweden or like they've done it in the UK and that before, mm-hmm. and they're going to bring it to Australia. But then all of a sudden they're like, no, it's probably just going to be a pre season game, but. Uh, initially, it was meant to be uh, LA or Boston or LA and Vancouver, but now uh, the day of recording this, they're saying it might be LA and Arizona. I mean, you know, I think, Ooh, I think, like, jets. I think at least with like LA, you'd have uh, and Vancouver. You got lots of Vancouver fans in Australia because a lot of Australians go to live in Vancouver. Uh, LA, you know, people are going to go for them because it's LA. Even Boston fans, but I mean, I don't think I've ever seen an Arizona fan exist in Australia, so I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> but uh, uh, before we let you go again, at time of recording this. Keep saying it's going to be a few weeks old with that. But, I mean, massive news for Canada. I don't like speaking like this. But uh, you've got a man going to the moon, sort of. Um, (laughs) They've announced this mission. We landed on the moon. (laughs) Canada's finally caught up. Uh, A mission's going to the moon next year, not landing on it. This is kind of like Apollo 8 back in the day where they're just basically doing a, a, I was going to say a reach around, uh, like a a flip around the moon uh, with four astronauts on it. And one of them's... Canadian. I mean, all the news is like, there's a woman, there's a black man. Great. But there's a Canadian on this, Colin. I mean, yeah. this is, this is incredible. A Canadian's going to the moon. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think the Canadian NASA profile has increased so much over the years. I mean, so much of it has to do with Chris Hadfield, who was like, you know, I guess the big Canadian astronaut. I mean, he was the first Canadian to do a spacewalk and all that, like all the way back when, but he, he sort of became like the first celebrity astronaut who knows how long, Due to all of his, it's, he recorded an album up in space and all that, you know, and he's just hilarious to follow on social media. Uh, but I mean, Canada has always had a huge involvement, um, it, it, more so on the engineering side, like the mission control. I, this is something that Canadians kind of learned decades later because the records are all sealed. But we had this massive program called the Arrow, which was um, uh, the most advanced airplane that ever existed back in like the 50s or 60s. And out of nowhere, they just canceled the program. And it was the biggest controversy ever. It's like, well, why was Canada leading, you know, aviation? And all of a sudden we just cancel it. And it came out afterwards that NASA essentially bought them out. So mission control was kind of designed based on the, the this program. The Canada arm, the arm on the space shuttle was Canadian. And now we've got that. a guy going. Yeah. And now we've got a guy going to the moon. I mean, one of only four spots. I think that's the exciting thing is that you know, we've had, oh, this is the first Canadian to do this, the first Canadian to do that. But now the first of something is going to have a Canadian on it. And I, the same thing that you said, that was what I thought about is like, well, we're basically back to 1968 here. It's <laughs> the advancements of NASA. We're on Apollo 8. Jeremy Hansen, we should say his name, by the way. Uh, I mean, this is, yeah, like it's so exciting because this is one of the baffling things I've always had in life is that why do we stop going to the moon? Like I mean, in the seventies, it's yeah. like, yeah, we send a few, boom, done. And like, I'm sort of being like you is growing up as obsessed with, 
space and the moon and I grew up for a long period of time wanting to be an astronaut myself and always just everything to do with the moon I would buy and read and all that sort of stuff so this is exciting to sort of be alive in a time when it's going to happen because they're sending them next year to sort of do a, a loop around it and then they're aiming to send astronauts back there again in 2025 20, I, I, I sincerely hope I'm alive still than uh, when we land on Mars I mean mm-hmm. that would that yeah. was always my goal as a kid I want to be the first person to walk on Mars still could happen you never know but um yeah, I mean, this is exciting just outside of the Canadian aspect as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I, like you, grew up obsessing over space. Like, knowing all the history of the Mercury missions, the Gemini missions, the Apollo missions. I mean, that was what I would do for fun is just read these basically textbooks on space history and everything. And uh, it's been so long. You, you kind of understand the reasons why the Apollo program was canceled at the time because of how much money it cost. And it's like, well, what benefit is there? But then you look at like how many other things have not happened. Like I remember back in the late nineties, they said, okay, so if there was actually a plan put in place and if they, you know, started pushing for it, we could have a man on Mars by 2020. And this was NASA who was saying this. And then you look back to the sixties when, what was it? Kennedy had said uh, the early sixties, you know, we're going to be on the moon by the end of the decade. And even NASA was like, well, that's impossible. We thought we'd be there by 1980. And you see how quickly they push for it. Like there are realistic goals and there are unrealistic goals. They made an unrealistic goal of going to the moon. Their realistic goal of going to Mars is already three years past and we yeah. haven't even started to get there. So I, I'm hoping that, you know, there, there's differing opinions on how much money you invest in it and everything. But I mean, you look at what going to the moon did for banding the country together, especially during the 60s where it was divided as a, Right now would be the time to do something like this to get people excited, get people hyped up. Even Trump would be excited. Even Trump would be like, all oh, right, guaranteed. that's pretty cool. <laughs> I'll shut He's, up. <laughs> he'll shake hands with Putin and, and uh, uh, who's that, Chinese guy? <laughs> Everything. Xi Jinping, I mean, yeah. Yeah, everybody's going to join together if they can go to Mars. It's I, I think it was early 2000s. I think Bush was still in. I remember cutting all the newspapers out when he was basically. Wasn't he on board saying that we're going to be in Mars? Was that yeah. by 2020? All that sort of stuff. Um, and, and even the moon. It was, he said, okay, we're going to start yeah. working towards a goal to start by going to the moon. Yeah. And Bush got shit done, people. Um, <laughs> he got it done 20 years later, but it's getting done. <laughs> you know, I mean, sure, he lost a couple of buildings and some planes along the way. But, like, you know, <laughs> look, he tried. All right. He, he, he did okay. Uh Colin, thank you for your time and go moose. Yes, go moose, go. All right, it's that part of the show that we brought back a few weeks ago and it's back again right now, which means I get to play. (laughs) That time of the week to play everybody's favorite game show. It's Forget the Lyrics here on the Brink on Edge Radio. Over to the studio. Oh, Jossie, Jossie, Jossie. Oh, okay. Just for those who who are listening and not seeing what's going on, when we were doing this, I think Ben said roughly about fifteen years ago, fifteen twenty years ago. Oh, not twenty. We started. Yeah, we started forgetting lyrics about fifteen years. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's okay. yeah. So you do the same freaking dance. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad my dancing it. skills have not improved in fifteen fucking years. Um, damn. But uh, we brought it back. And it's back. We love it. Now, we're, we're going to do what we usually do. We each got a solo. We each do a duet. Well, we do a duet together. And we sort of went on a bit of a trend a few weeks back where we sort of realized that there were some James Bond songs that we actually haven't done. So we're obviously big Bond fans. And I think that 
this is, I think, a goal I'm going to have now, Josh, that we're going to tick off all the Bond songs. I think the next... Yeah, we'll tick off the Bond songs and then we'll pick another franchise and we'll screw them over too. I like that indeed. Uh, so but today... It's funny, I sent, I sent you a, a photo message the other day with a the, the Aston Martin DB5 in Lego form. And I am kicking myself that I didn't buy it. But you I'm didn't buy it? Why not? Oh, I, I, I was like, oh, I could, I could. And I was like, it was only 30 bucks. Cheap. Cheap as chips, Josh. Come on. So I might, I might have to do do another trip up to Canberra. Oh, who who doesn't want to go to Canberra? It's the nation's capital of Bond. Uh, there you go. But so we're we're gonna do. <laughs> fuck <laughs> that's that Fishwick. One. Hey, I know what's in Fishwick. I used to love going to Fishwick. Don't worry. Um, remember when I went to stay with Emma? Like, where's all the porn? Take me to Fishwick. <laughs> Um, spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money in that store. Don't you worry about that. Um, <laughs> give me some good topic ideas for these songs today. So we're going to do a solo each, and then we're going to do a duet. Now, uh, there's what I think like twelve of the Bond songs we haven't done. So you, we've all chosen one each. Now, do you want to do you want to do your solo first, or do you want me to do my solo first? I'll go you because you went. I went last. I went first last week. You did. Right? That is correct. You did. So you it's did. you. It is. It's me. It's me. All right. So um, I am doing a song which I can't believe we have not done. Die Another Day. I mean, we had. That's the thing. I thought we had. I thought we'd done Die Another Day and Live and Let Die, which you're going to do, but we haven't. Uh, So if anybody listens to any of my other shows, I'm sorry. uh, But uh, if you listen to 007, you know our obsession with Die Another Day. Well, sorry, my obsession with Die Another Day. My co-host is stupid. Um, But Excuse me? Oh, no, you're talking about someone else. You're stupid as well, but you go for Richmond. Um. Hey, <laughs> 65.53 at the moment. Shut right. up. People listening to this know they're probably already choked by now. But uh, so I'm doing Die Another Day. I can't believe I've never done this. Now, the the difference between the other ones we're going to do is there's a bit of silence at the beginning. But as soon as I hit play here, basically, I have to get straight into it because, there's a, you know, it's, it's firing. You've got to channel your Madonna. Madonna doesn't fuck around. She just gets into <laughs> shit. She's like, I'm Madonna. <laughs> I'm going to start. Oh, she's aged horribly. Don't. Don't. I don't want to hear it. All right? You leave the queen alone. Um, What am I singing to? She she looks like the queen who is now. Rest in peace, the queen, by the way. Um, Oh, The coronation of King Charles. Our, Our former guest is very soon, actually. So, you know. Actually, that's what you can sing about. Oh what the the queen the current the cor- the, cor- the coronation oh okay former guest on this show all right okay well uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade you down Mr Mean and uh, we're gonna now go into me die another day singing about the coronation bring it on. <laughs> oh funny. I'm gonna be the king of England. I'm gonna walk down the street. I'm gonna get crown on my head. My name is Prince. Well, King Charles, I was a guest on the brink. I was a guest on the brink. It was my career highlight better than when Diana died another day. I guess I'll be a king again. Well, not again for the first time. I guess I'll be the king of England. I'll be a better king than the last king. Who was that? Diana died. 
die. Diana died. I'm gonna make sure that that file goes and gets classified. Cause we know that the queen did kill her badly, but I wanted her to do that. Uh, I'm gonna be the king on the day. They're gonna put the crown on me. I'm gonna say, sup, everyone, I'm the king. And I was on the brink because that was cool. And then I'm gonna get all my men, the king's horses and Humpty Dumpty. We're gonna fly to America. And I'm going to stab Meghan Markle in the throat. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> that took a direction. Uh, not sure where that came from, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that just reminded me of that time in the studio when I made comments about Michael Jackson and got in trouble. Which ones? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I never forget that time that I think we were singing about um, uh, Gretel Colleen and called her a horse, and then we got complaints, <laughs> and then we actually had Gretel Colleen on the show several years later, but that didn't come up. Um, what do I get out of ten, Josh? I think I just oh, um, mate, mate, some I'm conspiracy gonna... theories there. Yeah, I, I'm a bit worried about you, mate. So six point five, I'll give you. Okay, because that it. got that got pretty dark. Pretty quick. Hey, you've got to. The best way to get listeners on this show is controversy. Uh, so, uh, if 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 I do not appear on the next episode, then clearly our former guest can't take a joke. All right. What do you think of this radio station? Well, we're not a radio <laughs> station don't. anymore, Charles. <laughs> you don't listen to that drivel, do you? We got to remember the time we had him on the show. Sam was famously talking about the reverse kanga. So you, you know, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we were all that, you know, exactly uh, proper back then. Uh, Edge Radio. Uh, all right. Live and let die. Uh, You're doing a bit of Wongs and Paul McCartney. I am. Now, um, the song that you were going to sing, well, you're going to have this, you're going to sing about, you're going to sing about buying porn in Fishwick. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Yes. Yes, Joshy. Actually, no. I can base this on a true story that wasn't me. <laughs> oh, of course it wasn't. Of course it wasn't. Now, uh, just uh, for those at home, because obviously Josh and I are uh, uh, over the interwebs, we're going to have to like count this down to the fact that I've got to press like two buttons here. So when I say three, two, one, go, you press go, you press play, and then it will play here as well. There is obviously a bit of silence at the beginning of this song. So don't feel that there's nothing happening, uh, it will happen. All right? Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm going to say that the names in this story will not be changed. Oh, all right. Good on that. All right. You ready, Josh? You good for this? Yeah, you ready to go? Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm good. So over to you, Josh. Three, two, a one, go. Let's be quiet. When we were at Fishwick to go to Cancon and we needed to go to a bookshop because Dano said he needed to. This really doesn't work. (laughs) 
And then we went and he got out of the car and we said, don't be long. And he walked away. Then we went and followed him into the bookshop. Followed him into a bookshop. was a second-hand one in Fishwick. We paid him out a lot because we said it was full of sex. You mentioned the word sex. You're going to go on an instrumental break. Challenge accepted that he'd find porn in that bookshop. And Dano said it was a legitimate store that just had secondhand books. Secondhand books. And then Tommy found the book about box party. blow-up sex doll of a sheep in it. It had a blow-up sex doll of a sheep. Dano got red-faced in a second-hand porn bookshop in Fishwick. This is a weirdest song I've had to do. It has really no structure to it, but I got to mention porn and Fishwick. It really is not a good song to sing to. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> but, so, the, the, just so I can say, so uh, a group of us went up to a convention in, in Canberra and one of the guys in our in our group is he, lovely guy, weird as hell. Is his name and Ben it, Waterworth? No, his name is Daniel Reddy. Hello, Daniel he was, Reddy. He's a contrarian who does not own a smartphone or a computer. And he made a stop in Fishwick. So this is in summer. We had to stop in Fishwick so we can go to the secondhand bookshop. We pulled it over, let him out, and he said he'll be five minutes. We were waiting in the car for about 20 minutes. And we're like, okay, this is dodgy. We've got to go find him. So we go up. We walked up the street to find him. We found the bookshop down an alley, already seedy. And we go in there, and he, we're paying out. Going, so did you find your porn, blah, blah, He goes, there's no porn in this shop at all because it's a bookshop. And my mate Tom, rest his soul, he goes – not challenge two seconds it took him <laughs> and, he f- and he found a book titled how to host the best bucks party and attached to the book was a blow up sex doll in the shape of a sheep all right well i know what you're getting me for christmas this year that's right man 
<laughs> and if Nick Chess is listening, he just got an erection. Um, I'm giving you a seven because wow. you did because the best I... of a bad karaoke song. I thought there was a lot more words to that. And Paul McCartney, I'm looking at you, you screwed up. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's an iconic Bond song. But yeah, like there, there are some Bond songs that are iconic, but if you actually really get to the nitty gritty of them, they're not that great. But uh, anyway, great song. Speaking of not that great Bond songs, uh, we are going to be doing a <laughs> uh, duet to what I voted as the worst Bond song of all time. When What's wrong with all time high? What's right with all time high? <laughs> <laughs> you know that Can I Borrow a Feeling from The Simpsons from Milhouse's dad? It's this yeah. song. Uh, <laughs> so just just saying. Now, I believe I went first last time when we did No Time to Die, so I think it's only fair that you go first this time for a bit oh, of... Oh, yes. So that means you pick the topic. I do. Well. Yeah. Bit of, bit of Rita Coolidge on a Monday night. Yes. Because um, mm. why not? Um, shit, I didn't even think about a topic, what we could do. Um uh, um, <laughs> this is dangerous. This is, this, is, this is this is this is great. Um, I am going to pick the topic of the song that, of course, is going to be about your favourite ever memory of doing the brink in studio in Edge Radio. <laughs> I don't know what that will be. Oh, you've got to think about it off the cusp. But oh, anyway, he's, he's looking at me weirdly. Oh, All right. No, oh, this will be great. Okay. I trust you, Josh. I trust you. Um, so, as again, similar to what we had just a second ago, there'll be a bit of silence at the beginning. But when I say three, two, one, go, we will both press play. And then we will enjoy the shittest James Bond song of all time, which I improved over on 007 by adding fart sounds to it. I'm just saying that in general. All right. Here we go. Singing about our favorite memories from Edge Radio back in the day. Three, two, one, go. Sebastian. Sebastian. We went 
went into the studio and sat in those uncomfy chairs. Josh went to go on air. He turned to me. He said, Ben, what song was that? I looked at him and I said, what the fuck are you talking about? He said, I don't know what to do. I'm really in the poo I said, Josh, I'm on the other side of the screen I can't see what the fuck that song was You should have listened to Medzi He told us how to host radio And maybe one day We might get it right 20 years later But I doubt it because we're kind of shit. It's actually pretty good because it kind of had like two balanced like verses where it was just kind of like a 50-50 spread, right? It was balanced. The stories were good. But and, no, no. I, <laughs> I thought there I was a butt coming. I can't. I can't. Oh, there is a butt sitting right here, but not coming. And what a uh, sexy butt it is, too, everyone. Damn straight it is. Damn straight. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm giving you a ten. You were good. I liked it. No, I'm giving you a ten too. Hey! That, that, that story is just oh. Never gets old. You win by half a point, Josh. Well done. Good job. I still tell that story too. It's true. It's a hundred about me stuffing up. <laughs> Where's the edge radio, man? Oh, Ben, what song was that? No fucking idea, Josh. <laughs> Back to the next song, everyone. <laughs> um, oh, we, will come, we will come back with Josh at the end of the episode <laughs> and wrap it up very shortly. Classic interview time here on the brink. And back in 2014, nearly 10 years ago, if you can believe it, we spoke to one of the greats of Australian music, Ben Lee, of course. Been around... For quite some time, Catch My Disease, a big hit of his and been around the traps in a long time. And as you'll hear me talk about in this interview as well, I also spoke to him a little bit about a random duet he did with Kylie Minogue as well, which I just happened to really enjoy. But the reason I play this one, because there's two levels to it. One, I actually always forget we had Ben Lee on the show, which is kind of a, an embarrassing thing for me to admit as such an icon of the Australian music scene that we had the pleasure of speaking to Ben Lee. But during the week, I discovered a very random connection with Ben Lee and a bit of a Hollywood superstar. If you're a fan of How I Met Your Mother, you would know that the main star of that show, Josh Radnor, played Ted, of course, the titular character, basically, the character who was telling his kids about meeting his mother across the course of that series. I discovered during the week that Josh Radnor is partnered currently right now with Ben Lee in a band, well, a duet, I guess you would say, Radnor and Lee, a indie folk musical duo essentially sees Ted from How I Met Your Mother performing with Ben Lee. So if you thought that you'd never heard of a random connection of a singer and an actor coming together, then there's your randomness for today that that is something that I've discovered during the week. So it got me thinking. I was thinking like, I need to be Ben Lee, didn't I? Going back to my point, a bit embarrassed that I kind of forgot that we'd had Ben Lee on the show. So I thought, what better time to go into the archives and bring you our chat with the iconic Ben Lee from 2014, 
Let's hear it now. Ben Lee is one of Australia's finest singer-songwriters who has won six arias across his stellar career and is heading to Hobart in July as part of the Festival of Voices to perform and also host a workshop. I spoke to Ben about what we can expect from his shows and workshop and working with Kylie Minogue in the 90s. And welcome to the Brink and Edge Radio. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here, mate, and uh, very much looking forward to having you back here in Hobart, of course, too, in July. Festival of Voices, as I mentioned. You're performing at the Federation Concert Hall on the 5th of July, and a lot of people very excited. Uh, this is your first time back to, to Hobart in a while, I believe. Yeah, I think I might have only been once. I did a show with Missy, um, an outdoor show that was so cold. I remember my fingers on my guitar, like I could barely move them. <laughs> that's, that's my main performance memory. But um, I'm really excited for the opportunity to come back. Mm, it sounds like hope, but I can say it recording this at the moment, it's about three degrees outside. Right. So. Uh, <laughs> you're, uh, you're you're glad you're not here at the moment because I'm losing my fingers at the moment. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here in a in a studio. Uh, and of course, also with this performance coming down for the Festival of Voices, you're also uh, doing a workshop uh, at the Long Gallery on, on the same day. Now, now, what exactly can people come to this workshop with you, Ben, and, and sort of learn about? I mean, are you excited to be for doing this? Well, this is an idea that the um, organisers of uh, Festival of Voices came up with, and um, I guess ordinarily I would be totally confused as to what I would have to offer. But after my experience doing The Voice, I started realizing that I tend to look at anything I can offer as more to do with the attitude and the psychology and the sort of ideas that we come to musical performance with rather than a technical instruction about vibrato and falsetto. I mean, there's a million better singers than me that could give you advice on that stuff. But coming from underground music and uh, as a singer-songwriter, I think what I've always valued the most is kind of believability when someone's singing a song. So those are really the things I like to talk about and examine with when I'm producing a singer or something, which is really, what is this song? What does it mean to you? Do you really understand it? Because if you don't understand it, there's like no point singing it. And once you do understand it, how does it apply to your life? And somewhere in the midst of all that, obviously the singer also needs to be able to sing in tune, hopefully. <laughs> but but I, I sort of kind of leave that up to other people. For me, it's more about is the singer being authentic in the expression of the song? And that is stuff that I think over the years I've sort of come to have some degree of kind of instinct about. Is this something that, that you've done a lot of since you are mentioning uh, your time on, on The Voice? And if not, is it something that you're looking forward to maybe doing more of in, in the future? I'm not someone that has a really detailed plan of my career or what I want to happen. I've sort of always examined the opportunities and said yes to things that have inspired me. And some of that has been producing other artists. So I've done some of that, including I've just finished a record for a 26-piece choir wow. called The Silver Lake Chorus. Um, but I kind of, I don't know. I really don't know what the future holds. I'm kind of open to anything. It just has to resonate with me as, you know, as something I want to explore. Mm, that's a good attitude to have. And I definitely feel that with this workshop that a lot of uh, talented Hobart musicians and singer-songwriters themselves can uh, sort of come along here and uh, you can meet them. I mean, we've got a great music scene here in Hobart that uh, I'm sure you'll discover and uh, maybe be able to unearth a couple of stars, perhaps. Well, yeah, I'm open to anything. I like meeting new people. <laughs> now, of course, they're part of the Festival of Voices, too. This is in its 10th uh, year. I mean, was there something in particular that also drew you to, uh, to performing at, at the festival? this year? You know, I, I, I generally, I'm going to say, this is going to sound all incredibly laissez-faire, but 
you know, I like to go where I'm invited, basically. <laughs> I'm not the type of artist that tends to bully my way into things. That, uh, But they invited me a couple of years in a row, and it sounded like a great atmosphere, and why not? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's a great event, absolutely. And uh, you know, it's as I said, ten years it's been going for now. We had the launch here in Hobart yesterday for it, and a lot of people very excited. During your time down here, Ben, obviously you haven't been here uh, a whole a whole lot. I mean, you're going to get much of a chance to kind of check out some of the sites of Hobart places, maybe. Yeah, I'll be hanging around for a few days, so that'll be hopefully a good opportunity to um to see the uh, sites. Have you uh, heard yeah. much about our uh, new museum, Mona? Are you going to go check that out? Yeah, I've actually heard quite a lot about it. Like people. Raving about it, so that would be amazing if I got a chance to check in there. I think you're going to love it. I uh, I say that to everyone, but um, look again. The selling point is the poo machine. There's a machine that recreates poo. That's enough. Okay, <laughs> noted. <laughs> you've been you've been pre warned. Now, uh, last year as well, uh, you released a night studio album. Now, this is all done with the help of uh, crowdsourcing and, and pledge music. How did you find this process of getting the album out there, Ben? And do you, do you feel this is sort of the future for some artists out there to, to get their albums out? It's definitely an option. I mean, for this particular record, it was a very niche album. You know, it was called Ayahuasca, Welcome to the Work. Uh, very much not a record for everybody. It wasn't going to get on the radio, and it was a more sort of esoteric record. So in that case, the crowdsourcing only allowed me to fund the record in an unconventional way, but to publicize it in a new way. So it was really perfect for that record. It's not something that I have the energy to do with every single release because it really demands all of your time. You know, you're, you suddenly become your own record label and manager and, you know, it's a big, it's a big endeavor. But um, but it's definitely an option for the right project at the right time with certain artists. Yeah. Do, do you find that sort of, as you were saying, kind of it's, it's sort of a niche album there that will appeal to certain people, that you have other ideas that perhaps you'll, you know, look at maybe doing something like that again in the future? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't plan too far ahead. I, I find as an artist, your duty is to, you know, I guess what they used to call the muse, to this ever-changing sense of inspiration. And... I try and stay updated with that, and I really don't know where it's going to take me particularly. Well, this album is sort of very interesting based on your experiences uh, with South American healing medicines. I mean, that that in itself, uh, I think, sells itself there, Ben. But, I mean, uh, it must have sort of... Uh, did it take you a long time to kind of think, well, this is what I'm going to base an album on, basically, this experience uh, with, with the South American uh, healing medicines? Well, it was sort of quite organic, Um you know, I was having these very powerful experiences and uh, at a certain point I was, you know, it's like you bring your talents. When you want to say thank you for something, you bring whatever you have to offer. And for me, I'm a songwriter. So there came a natural point where I was like, wow, I'm so grateful for these experiences. I want to write songs for it. You know, it just seemed like a very natural thing. The same way when you fall in love with a woman and a songwriter starts writing songs, it's it's a... It's quite an organic process in that sense. Mm, it's a good way of looking at it. I've always kind of said on this show uh, with singer-songwriters that, um, you know, things like relationship breakups are great in a way because, uh, you know, you can always get that pain out there. But it's also the positives too of falling in love that can uh, bring the, the songwriting and stuff like that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because I think obviously I want to be a great songwriter. I work hard on that as my craft. But I, more than anything, want to keep growing as a person and... Um, I don't like the idea of sort of repeating myself or contriving certain experiences just to get professional results. Mm -hmm. um, I want to keep growing, and that involves 
kind of new experiences. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing too that with a lot of your your music, I mean, several of your songs have been used in things like TV shows and movies over the year. But one thing I I discovered sort of in the lead up to this, Ben, is that uh, some of your songs are used on the Apple Care technical support hold music line. Um, I've heard about that. Yeah, that's not really something that I make a lot of money by or anything. Apparently, <laughs> so it's just the radio. I think they just can. It's like if you go into you know, just jeans and they're playing songs and it's kind of, you're not making a lot of money from that. So I have heard that though, so that's nice. Well, I think, I, I'm wondering if that's kind of like a way you can say, well, I've made it. I'm officially hold music for a, a technical support line. I know. There's been a few of those kind of markers. The big one early for me was playing on Hey Hey at Saturday. <laughs> yes. That was really my like, yes. And then being on Burt Newton and, you know, those things where you're just like, these are legitimate in my parents' eyes or my grandmother's or, you know, whatever. <laughs> They're very proud, very proud. I'm yeah. going to ring up Apple all the time just yeah. to hear Ben's <laughs> songs. <laughs> now, I'm going to get to our famous five questions, Ben, in just a second uh, to wrap it up. But one one of my favorite songs that um, you've ever done that I, I personally love is uh, back in the late 90s, you did a duet with Kylie Minogue, the Duran Duran song, The Reflex. I know it was a very long time ago, but I mean, do you have fond memories working with her on that song? Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was really great. Um, I mean, I was very um, caught up in my whole, you know, mission at the time to just be this, you know, prince of pop music and make my, you know, this very broad, big kind of um, rebellious thing I was going through. So it was both, I felt both um, elated to be working with Kylie, like in that it it justified what I imagined myself to be at the time, but also... um, yeah, to some degree, I think I was like enjoying dragging her down to my level. <laughs> so, um, so it was, it, the whole thing was really quite quite a fun memory. <laughs> well, it was kind of interesting because that was sort of at the point of her career. She was going a little bit indie, wasn't she? She sort of hadn't had. Well, a she resurgence. was sort of trying all different things. Yeah, so, yeah. No, she's a really, really sweet. I mean, I've always found anyone that has you know just survived for a while in the music industry, they have things to offer. You know, because they've. They've been through tests, yeah, and they've grown as a result. Yeah, is there is there an artist now that um, if the opportunity came to work with that you would that would jump at it? Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I I can't think. I mean, I'm less in that headspace of um, I'm less in that headspace of you know just wanting to work on things because they're very popular. I mean, there are some artists like you know I toured with um, Sarah Bareilles. And I thought she does a good job of mixing, kind of having a good message for her audience, which is a lot of young girls, with um, being, you know, being a songwriter. And, um, you know, so, but I've gotten to work with a lot of people over the years. I'm sort of, I'm again more interested in what comes up organically than something I'd sort of like have a big dream I've got to cross off my list. Mm, and I'm sure that's a definitely what, a, what attracts a lot of the fancy music there, Ben, which is uh, no doubt great to see. Now, as I said, we wrap up every interview with five questions. The easiest five questions you will get in your life. Question number one, Ben Lee, what is your favourite type of cheese? Um, favourite type of cheese? Well, I recently, my friend's farm, they gave me some um, chilli... A cheddar with chili in it, which was amazing. Oh, yeah. That sounds very nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love sort of these concoctions that people put together, you know, not just cheddar with chili and whatever. That's great. Uh, Question number two When it comes to toilet paper, are you a folder or a scruncher? I think a folder. Folder. I'm a Virgo. Yes. (laughs) I've got to keep it neat. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Question number three Growing up, what was your dream job? 
Uh, music, what I'm doing. Music yeah. and living your dream. We always love hearing that. Uh, also growing up, who was your childhood celebrity crush? Um, uh, Tiffany Ambertisa ah. from um, yeah, Beverly Hills 902. Ah, right, yes. Yeah. Very uh, popular show back then. I uh, used to watch it every now and then. It was all right. Uh, the, the terrible reboot <laughs> they did of it recently. I don't know if you... <laughs> I haven't seen uh, it. don't. Um, uh, final question for you today, Ben Lee. What is your worst habit? Um... My worst habit is being argumentative, <laughs> um, like being getting into like silly, prideful debates with my wife or friends that just are completely unnecessary. Yes. So I'm really working on breaking that. <laughs> but you feel good at the end if you can kind of come out and top with them, though, can't you? Nah, it doesn't feel good either way. That's what I'm realizing. <laughs> ah, right. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, hopefully when Ben comes here to Hobart next month, won't be argumentative. You'll be enjoying all his shows and performing at the Federation Concert Hall on the 5th of July and of course you can join him in the festival workshops we were mentioning same day 10am at the Long Gallery tickets and more information at festivalofvoices.com and you can check out Ben's website at ben-lee.com Ben massive pleasure having you on the show mate best of luck for the shows here and we look forward to seeing you here in Hobart in July thank you so much take it easy Alright, last time I wrapped this show up with this man he was getting the snip how are your balls by the way Josh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they're 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 a bit sore still. Yeah. I'll admit, I'll admit they they yeah. The most painful thing I've had done would be that. Like I'm guessing you weren't feeling it in the middle of it, but like, do you wake up? And you're just like, holy fuck! Okay, it's a local. You're oh, not asleep. Oh, why? No. <laughs> I'll make it up. Would you like me to describe the procedure to you, Ben? Oh, why not? I've always wanted to think about your dick. Uh, wasn't even that. So they inject into the ball a local anesthetic. Just one? You try to no, say no, you've they only do, got one? They, no, no, they do one at a time. They oh, do one. Lazy. And then they, they do the thing and then they do the other one, right? Now, that hurt like you getting – it felt like someone had taken a brick and threw it at my boys. <laughs> How can you feel it if they've given you an anesthetic, though? No, no, that's they see that is the anesthetic. Getting the anesthetic was the painful part. I like what this is. This like I'm, I, I, I. This is why I'm just saying right now. I don't have children that I know of. Right? Okay. Now there are two things that prevent me. Well, three things. Like that sounds terrible. No. Secondly, there are things called condoms. And thirdly, pull out. Like I mean, like I mean, it's just like that. Why would you go through that? Um. Because I don't like condoms. <laughs> well, who does? And but at the end of the day, kids. I would rather wear a condom than get my balls smashed with a brick. <laughs> I'll continue the procedure. So um, <laughs> what, the one I had, it, it, so it's called a scalpelous uh, vasectomy. Uh, they get like a, it, it looks like the Ivan needle. That's what it looks like. It's a bit big. You don't feel any of this from here on in. So you, they, they put it in, they pull the skin through and that essentially gives them an opening for them to actually get to the vas deferens. They pull out about an inch of vas deferens. They, they snip it off and then they tie it up and then they suture it and then they cauterize the ends of both ends that they've cut. So they burn it and you smell the burn. I saw smoke coming from my balls. I knew my balls were hot. I got to see the steam. 
I why? <laughs> like are you just on the on the, you are, are you on the medical bench now for the next six months? Like I mean, no, no, no. So uh, if if I had the opportunity, I would be right to go. However, <laughs> I am not de I am not deemed sterile until I they they said eight weeks. And twenty ejaculates, and then she, the, the the nurse, gives me a cup and says, "You need to take this home with you." And in eight weeks, after you have evacuated twenty times, you need to deposit into the cup, keep the cup warm, put it between your legs as you're driving, and take it down to pathology. So many questions. First of all, like you still can produce. See, like I thought they tied it no, so nothing comes out. It's not that. It's the fact that there is still live sperm cells in your vas deferens. Okay. And then you're medically encouraged to basically masturbate. Empty yourself out. Empty yourself out. That is a positive. Um, but, like, fuck, if I was doing that, I'd be the doctor's favourite bloody uh, patient. But, like, like, but, but I, I just don't <laughs> care why you would do that to yourself. It, it, like, as, as my are you having it, sex that much with your wife that you were that worried about getting her pregnant? Just calm down. Stop watching porn together and just go out for dinner instead. I know no, she can't keep her hands up. You're a hot man, but like. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm potent. I know that much. Um, <laughs> I just don't know why you would. Oh, no, but I'm what, crying what, what, for you. <laughs> Well, what makes it better is, uh, so I've, I'm an avid user of Reddit. I quite like Reddit. And, you know, uh, while I'm during the healing process. Try you which, porn better for that. But anyway. No. Whatever turns you on. <laughs> uh, there, there's a subreddit for people who've gone through vasectomies and whatnot. And what a the, fun place. Oh, no, it was interesting. There was one bloke four years after his, like he'd been cleared. He had his test done, like zero sperm. Got curious one afternoon. Who, and walked into his wife's office, at, like home office. She had a microscope, so he, you know, m- made made some samples to to look at, and he discovered that he was fully, like, yeah, he was producing sperm. And what had happened? The suture came out, the knot came undone, and it somehow miraculously joined back up and healed. Oh, like just. <sighs> Just seriously, like, I'm wearing condoms for the rest of my life. Like, I mean, I, I never anti condoms anymore. Ansel, you've got a customer for life. Um, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's just wrong. But, but the interesting part You're is, so young, Josh. You don't need to do that. You're so five. Young. You're young. Ten, You're a ten, young ten, man, Josh. <laughs> Save your balls. Kids. Save your balls. Oh. Jesus Christ. Look, I've never had surgery in my life, all right? I have, like, a massive fucking fear from watching too much Nip Tuck and other surgery stories of waking up in the middle of surgery but, like, being paralyzed. paralyzed. Like, it's happened before. It's a real-life thing that you can wake up in the middle of being, like, what's the general when you're completely knocked out and you can't mm. move, you're completely paralyzed, but you are feeling fucking everything. That's a fucking nightmare. And then I used to hear, like, the stories. Like, my sister, with, I think, both her babies – like had the C-section when she's still awake. Like I'm yeah, sorry, but if someone's cutting me open, whether I can feel it or not, I'm just gonna be like, yeah. So did you watch the game on the weekend? Oh, what's that? That's my intestine. Like fuck off. You try doing it with a man cupping your I- balls. But anyway, I've had brain surgery though. 
Like, you I remember that. brain surgery. I do remember that. Yes. That's yeah. what I need. I told you earlier in the show, I'm dumb. I need brain and surgery. And I, I still have a dent behind my, my right ear. And the, the, the one thing I remember after the surgery was was like a like the recovery room was like a bank of like 30 beds one side and then on the other side of the room was another bank of 30 beds and you were looking at all the other beds i was one of the first ones they brought into the room and i hadn't had anything to eat for like three days like i was really really sick and so the nurse came up to me and he's like surgery went well they've removed a fair chunk of your 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 skull you're essentially your top you're essentially essentially your your right mastoid is gone. You don't have that anymore. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, do you want an icy pole? And I've gone, fuck yeah, I want an icy pole. It was a red one. And so I'm eating. The, I'm there. eating. The, yeah, but I'm eating the ice pole right. And they're slowly bringing people out from from surgery and like they've like random people. And the lady across from me was like 104 years old. So she was old. Madonna. And, or worse, <laughs> Ben. <laughs> and so, like each bed had was like had at least like no, it was every three beds had a nurse, and they were like you know making sure everyone's comfortable and whatnot, and waking up okay. This lady had one nurse by her side the entire time, and I'm there eating my ice bowl, just going, "This is the best freaking ice bowl ever." And next minute, the nurse is gone. Shit, bang! And there's alarm goes off and about 40 doctors straight to her bed recess. And I'm there watching this lady die while in an icy pole. And I'm going, this is a cool icy pole. And then like they back up and this happened like three or four times. This lady tried to die like bang three or four times. And then, so after they pulled me out of that, I went to the recovery ward room where I was going to be for the next few nights. And Naomi was there. I hadn't seen Naomi in two days uh, because I was in and out of it. And like she had, so they drove me to Canberra in an ambulance and she came up the next day and they, they start taking off the bandage around my head. So like my entire head like was bandaged and as, as they've unwrapped it, my right ear was about two inches lower to where it was. And she started pissing herself laughing. And the doctor's like, yeah, you can fix that just by laying on it. What? By laying on it? <laughs> yeah, it was all munted. Like, cause they, so when they did it, so I've still got the scar. So from, I don't know from, if you can see, Ben can see, but no one else can see. So from like half, like just the tip of my neck up around my ear and it came to just near my eyebrow. And so they cut that and then they peel it and they actually peel it off your face. And they were worried that they had cut a nerve that sits under your mastoid, it's your fa- facial nerve. If they had cut, if they had even just nicked it, I'd be one of those half face people. So I'd smile only on one side. Hello. <laughs> I had a stroke. I I mean, we, we talked earlier about people becoming James Bond and bloody legends, fucking doctors, man. Jesus Christ. That's why I need a brain transplant myself because I would remotely just any of that was like, so, oh. So, well, the thing is, the how they caught my my issue with my ear is one of my good mates here who I game with is a doctor, emergency room doctor. And he came around, he looked at me and goes, all right, you're screwed. Come in the ho- go in the hospital. That's uh, like, I, I've heard so many stories about that. I remember there was a big brother contestant many years ago was doing a, um, like a, a zoom interview or Skype interview. And basically the person who was interviewing or somebody, somebody was basically like, Oh, 
you know, you've got like something, like something's happening on your face there. That, like, that, that could be a sign of this. Have you ever done that? And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, yeah, maybe go to a doctor. And basically like she found out she had, I think like a tumor or something. And basically that person saved her life. Like, because she had it, like a, like a thing. Like it was, that's scary. Scary. Oh, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. The closest oh, I ever came yeah. to surgery, the closest I ever came to surgery, I was born without eight teeth. Right. So that's why I've got weird funky teeth because I literally was born without eight like adult teeth. Right. So they discovered this and then they're all like, cool. So we're going to remove them. And I'm like, why? It's like, oh, well, they're going to fall out anyway. Smart decision, dentist. So they're basically like, okay, you've got two options. We send you to hospital. We'll knock you out. We'll pull them all out in one go. Or we'll go to the dentist like one time, get four out, come back a month later, get four out the other time. I kind of wanted to get knocked out and just get them done with. I was like 12. I don't know how old I was. Mm. And then my mum's all like, no, 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 get it done twice. So anyway, get it done twice. First time the fucking dentist did it, didn't even put enough antiseptic in. So they go to like, cool, they go to take my first tooth out, could feel everything. So because I bit this, made him bleed. So like that's, you know, I was never afraid of the dentist until that day. Um, you know how people are scared of the dentist? I'm like, fucking dentist. But now I'm like fucking terrified. It's like sore. They're ripping yeah. teeth out. And then they go, and then uh, um, now here I am, born, living with gaps in my mouth. And when I went to a dentist in Canada, they're literally like, well, why did they take them out? I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. It's like, yeah, well, your teeth are fucked now. I'm like, I know. So um, <laughs> thanks, random right. Newtown Dental Clinic, for that fucking decision. I had a filling done in Canberra a few years ago, and the bastard didn't use any anesthetic. He goes, it's Ugh. a superficial filling. I'm like, I'm like, he's drill. I'm like, you're hurting the the thing that I hate the most now about like like that is just that like literally it's even if they numb it because I've always got that fear now that they're numbing it it's that mm. sensation of the drill because I have sensitive teeth so it's yeah. just it's like anyway I'm 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 going to I'm going to on tangents here Josh uh, we've gone on lots of different things um, I am I am very honoured to have you on the show to hear about your balls um, <laughs> thank you for that you're you're a brave man no thank you thank you uh, I appreciate that any. <laughs> Anything happening in the world of Josh you want to give a plug for? Your tabletop gaming? Where do they go to? Josh's tabletop gaming. Uh, oh, no. Uh, we are Legion podcast. Uh, a new episode should be coming out next week. Great. I will be sure to tune in one day when I give a shit about tabletop gaming. But I'm, I'm sure it's great. I will play it's Star Wars. Though. It's Star it's Wars. Wars. It's sure. Uh, just as much as you're going to listen to Euros Vision coming soon to your speakers. Uh, like, subscribe, do all the regular things you do on the brink once we show up every now and then. And I'm going to hand over to Josh to close it off because I'm lazy. Yeah, you keep sucking those oranges and good night. <laughs>